All right, everyone. Good morning. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. Would you like to sit down? All right, then. We have an accord. You can sit down. Uh, so I love, I love that song. I love the stuff that it talks about in there about how, how God uh, engages us and how passionate he is for us. It's really an amazing story. And I want to invite you into more of those stories uh, next weekend, we're going we're gonna, to, well, actually, today we're going to finish up a series we're doing called King Me, and then in two weeks we'll start another series, but next week it's going to be a standalone thing. We're going to talk about uh, where we think God is leading us as a church in the days ahead. So it's going to be Vision Weekend, going to be a great chance to bring some neighbors or friends, if you've been saying to people, hey, come to my church, and they go, oh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm waiting for a good time. You tell them next week's a good time, because we're going to talk about who we are and what God's doing among us here. So that's next weekend. Uh, we got baptism today. Yeah, how about that? Anybody excited about baptism? Right on. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic time. We're, we're baptizing somewhere over 20 people this weekend, so really good stuff. When someone says, I'm going to follow Christ, and this is going to let people know that I'm a follower of Christ. Really good. So we're doing that. Do, it, do us a favor. Get connected uh, with us, will you? There's a connect card in the chair pocket right there in front of you. Uh, if you'll take one of those out for your family. One per family is good. One per household is fine. Uh, and then drop that in the offering basket later on today. That'd be really helpful. Any questions? All right. We're talking about power these days. We're talking about power gone crazy. Only we're not talking about 2018. We're talking about about 3,000 years ago. Power gone crazy 3,000 years ago. And when you get into the story, you find out that that the stories that we're living today are stories that have been told over and over and over for like 3,000 years. So today we're going to tell a story of power gone crazy from the first two kings of Israel. They've been, our, they've been our source material for back then and then trying to relate that to how it looks to us today. But the stories we're going to tell today come from 1 Samuel chapter 21, 22, and 23. And so if you want to look at those, you can. If you've got your Bible, like your, you know, your hard copy Bible, you can look it up there. If you've got your phone, you can look it up there on the YouVersion Bible app if you'd like to. You can just listen. That's fine. I'm not going to read this whole story. I'm going to tell it to you, and then we'll read parts of it just to help it make sense and to get the impact of it. But we're telling the story of two men. One is named Saul. He was actually the first king of the nation of Israel, and his power drove him crazy, and then when he began to lose power, it drove him even more crazy. He had this really loyal, faithful, amazing follower named David. He would have done anything for King Saul. In fact, he did many amazing things on behalf of King Saul. But something happened in their relationship uh, where David, this young follower, this young servant of Saul, David begins to become more popular, more well-known, more like he had more fans, a bigger fan base than King Saul had. And it caused trouble between them. In fact, it was, it was so bad, everything changed after David killed Goliath, that whole, that whole giant story and everything that went on from there. Once that happened, once David took out Goliath, it's like, it's like uh, his star rose higher than King Saul, and that made King Saul unhappy. So they, they, actually, they actually sang songs about these two men back in the day. We've seen the song as we've gone through Scripture. Remember the, 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 after, the, after David killed Goliath? Remember the song that they wrote about him? They said, Saul has slain his thousands. Like, yeah, Saul has slain his thousands. That's really amazing. If you're a king and you're a warrior, that's really amazing. But David has slain his tens of thousands. That's the song. 
I'm like, it really needs a chorus, a chorus and a bridge, you know, to kind of make it better. But it's like, that's a song. Sometimes when I look at the songs in the Bible, I'm like, man, those lyrics don't really move me. But think about it like this. Think about it in terms of Twitter followers. Saul has got his thousands. But that's a lot. David has his tens of thousands. Not getting it yet? Would you like it if we put it to music? So yeah, I got a friend who wrote, I got a friend who wrote a song from the song from the scripture. So I'll, I'll just share this with you. This all right? Saul has slain his thousands, oh, oh, oh. David has slain his tens of thousands, oh, 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 oh. Saul is a loser, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Want to sing it with me? Saul has slain his thousands, oh, oh, oh. David has slain his tens of thousands, oh, 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 oh. Here it is. Saul is a loser, oh, 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 oh. Oh. <laughs> All right, now, everyone in Israel is singing that song. And see, once you put the chorus to it, you go, oh, I get it now. You understand why Saul's so unhappy with David. And he starts chasing him around the country, trying to take him out. Here's a man who single-handedly rescued your nation, King Saul, but Saul's chasing him around the country, trying to take him out. And it's not going well for David. David now ends up on the run because Saul is blinded by his loss of power. So David flees. He comes to the place where Ahimelech, one of the priests of Israel, is serving God. And David shows up there. He says, I just need some help. I need some bread for my men. He's got about 400 men who are serving as soldiers in his little army, little ragtag army. He goes, I need some bread for them. And so the priest gives him bread. And then David says, do you have any, do you have any weapons here? He goes, I only have one. I got, I got the sword of Goliath. David goes, that's the best sword in the land. I'll take that sword. So he goes off with that sword. And then he flees from there. He leaves that place. And he's like, I'm trying to find a a safe place where Saul's power is not going to reach me. And so he ends up running to the Philistines, the, the, the people whom Goliath came from. He goes to them. and He goes, can you give me safe refuge? He goes to King Achish of the Philistines. He goes, can you give me a place to stay? And, and, and the king goes, yeah, you, you can stay with us, except that all the people around, all of Achish's men, they, they look at the, David, they go, whoa, 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 king, they sing songs about him. You can't bring him in. He's, he, he took out our giant. He, he's killed his thousands. You can't bring him in. So Achish chases David away. He ends up in a cave out in the desert in the wilderness of Judea. When he's in this cave, he starts to think about his life and about what's happening to him. And he knows what, Paul prob- what Saul probably never learned, and that is that power doesn't make life perfect. Power will not save, all- save us from all of our problems. Power will not solve all of our problems. And here's David, one of the most powerful men in the kingdom, sitting in a cave in the desert. You ever find your life like that? Like you're looking around, you're like, man, it was going so well for a while, and all of a sudden I'm sitting in a cave in the desert. Do 
Then as he's in the cave, he starts thinking about his family and he realizes that his mom and dad are at risk because if Saul is so bent on chasing down David, what's to keep him from, from kidnapping David's parents and holding them hostage until David comes to rescue them? So he goes back to Bethlehem, picks up his mom and dad, moves them to Moab, which is where David's great-grandmother, Ruth, there's a story about her in the Bible. She came from Moab. She immigrated from Moab to Israel. Now David takes his mom and dad. He says, I'm going to take you back to grandma's place. And he, he gives them to the king of Moab and says, watch over my family until I come back and get them. And then he returns to his cave in the desert. While he's at the cave, he finds out that Saul, because he'd been driven crazy by his power and then his loss of power, Saul had come in and killed Ahimelech, the priest, who had given David and his men bread. King Saul did that took out one of the priests of God because power always thinks it's doing God's service when it is violating all his laws. And David's in a cave in the desert when he receives a visitor young man named Jonathan comes to visit David in the cave in the desert. And he comes to encourage him. And it's remarkable because Jonathan is the son of King Saul. Jonathan is first in line to the throne. So there's King Saul and there's his oldest son, Jonathan. He's the, he's the prince of Israel. But he comes to his friend, David, and he tries to encourage him in his cave in the desert. Here's a story in 1 Samuel 23, verse 15. While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father, Saul, will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. That's an amazing story. Here's number two to the throne. First in line after King Saul, his son Jonathan comes to David and he says, I know that you will be king. And when you're king, I will be second to you. Who does that with power? Who takes their power and says, I will give it away? Who, besides Jesus, who does that? I mean, isn't, isn't that the story of Jesus, that he had all this power and then he gave it away? He gave it up? I mean, isn't that what baptism is about? That we're going to identify ourselves with Jesus who gave up all of his power to go to a cross, to be buried in a tomb that they borrowed from somebody else so that he could rise again? Who does that with power besides Jesus? Well, Jonathan, for one. Here's Jonathan who comes to David. And he says, you're going to be king, and I'm going to be number two right after you. I'm going to serve you in your kingdom. Who does that with power? And then it says they made a covenant together. Jonathan and David, they made a covenant together. They promised to be loyal and faithful and committed to each other before God until death separates them. Sounds like a wedding. 
right? In fact, some people misinterpret the goal. They, got, they, they, they made a marriage covenant. No, they didn't. It wasn't that kind of a thing, but it was this friendship where they said, we're going to be committed to each other. God help us. What would it look like if you had that kind of a friend in your life? I mean, we do it in marriage. We, we stand at an altar with someone else and we go, I'm, I'm committed to you for the rest of my life. Better or worse, richer or poorer, all of that till death separates us. You ever do that with a friend? We go, I'm in no matter what. God help us. And here's Jonathan, the son of the king, saying to this other man, David, I will be with you. You will be king no matter what happens, only death will separate us. And then here's the, ama- here's the most amazing part. It says in verse 16, Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. What a great statement. He helped him find strength in God. Where does your strength come from when you need when you need strength in God, where, how do you find that strength? How do, you, how do you get it? How do you acquire it? How does it come? Jonathan came to David and he helped him find strength in God. We have this thing at Lakeside, we call it the, the, the well-crafted life. We believe that someone who's a follower of Jesus has the opportunity to live the best life ever, the, the well-crafted life. And that, cry, that life is supported by five crafts, spiritual crafts. Scripture and prayer and generosity and connection and service. And we believe those crafts will change our life. We believe those crafts will put us on a path to pursuing and following Jesus. But we often describe them as if they were things that we do for ourselves. Like I can live the Christian life all by myself. I can live this life with with Jesus like all by my onesies. I don't need anybody else's help. But that's not how Jonathan and David saw this. Jonathan came to David to help him find strength in God. In fact, the five crafts are best practiced in community. That's why connection is one of the crafts because we don't primarily gain our strength by ourselves. We primarily gain strength in God through others who encourage us. And that's what Jonathan did for David. He helped him find strength in God. It's easier to be strong in God when we give ourselves to others, when we give our strength to others. We're living out today a story of a generation. It's been a generation since our country was gathered together in such a divisive way as it is right now. And we've all, we've all chosen sides. We've all sided up. We've all divided up. We're all together. We're all watching. We're all paying attention. But we're all divided up. And most of our anger, I think, these days has come because people have power and are not willing to give it away. We're bent on winning. We want our side to win. It's, we're desperate for our side to win. 
Power always thinks it's doing God's service when it is violating all his laws. And Jonathan comes along and shows us there's a better way than the grasping for power. It's to give that power away. It's the way of Jonathan. It's the way of Christ. And as followers of Christ, he calls us, live my way. Live my way. Give power up. And see what happens. David describes this for us in one of his songs. David was an amazing songwriter. And he writes this one song, Psalm 62, where he's describing what it looks like to, to have faith in God, where he's describing what it looks like to let his power be drawn from God. And he lives a life where he's been chased and he's been assaulted, he's been abused, and all the things that go on in his own world. Then he writes this song and it all comes out. Here's what he says. Psalm 62, verse 1, he says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will never be shaken. That line is the chorus. It's repeated in the song. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. And then the next verse starts, verse 3, and he sort of changes the direction of his lyric. He says, how long will you assault me? I look at the women who are uh, in such pain in our culture and in our country and in our community today because Many have been assaulted. In a room this size, many of you ladies have been assaulted. I have no idea what that feels like. I don't, I don't have any idea. But here's David who became the king of Israel. And although he doesn't know what it's like to be a woman to be assaulted, he knows what it's like to be assaulted. And he cries out to God in the midst of it. And he goes back to the chorus in verse 6 where he says, He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. And then he skips down to the bottom. I'm going to skip down to the bottom. In verse 11, he says this. He wraps up his song with this. One thing God has spoken. Two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. I want to grasp that in my life. I know what it's like to have some power. I'm constantly wrestling with the idea of trying to figure out how do I give up my power. And I never want to. But here's David in a cave in the desert, maybe when he writes this song. He says, one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Number one, power belongs to you, God. Power doesn't belong in Congress. Power doesn't belong to the White House. Power doesn't belong to the Supreme Court. Power doesn't belong to the C-suite. 
Power belongs to God. And when that gets into our perspective, we're able to live like Jonathan, who gave up power. He gave up the throne because he knew that power comes from you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. Isn't it good to know that the God of all power, the God with whom power rests, is also the God of unfailing love? Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love for us. That's our God. That's how you live at peace in this world, friends. To know that power rests in God alone. And he's a God of never-ending love. And when that gets into our soul, it begins to change us. And when we let it change us, it comes out as us giving power away. And when we do, God will change the world through us. Just us. It would only take us. He would change the world through us. But he wants to start in us first. Father in heaven, I pray for us today. I'm grateful for who you are. I'm grateful for what you're like. I'm I'm grateful that you have this amazing power. And I'm grateful that at the same time you have this great love for us. And Lord, I pray for my friends here. Many of us are really, really hurting today, this week, watching the news, feeling what's going on, re-feeling pain that has been with us for years in some cases. God, we don't have the power to heal every one of those hurts, but you do. And you have the power to let your love overflow us, overshadow us, and save us and redeem us. And so I pray that you would do remarkable things in us today. We love you, we worship you, we seek you in the name of Jesus, amen.